Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So yesterday was one of those days, we have those from time to time, where there's so much information that it's almost difficult to process it all, especially if you want to follow the recruiting landscape beyond just George. And so much happened yesterday. What meant the most if you're a UGA fan? That's kind of our job around here to try to provide some sort of filter for how you understand all this and how you process, especially busy news days when it's kind of coming in like a fire hose. How do you consume and process it? And that's what we try to do around here. So let's see if we can get that right today. First of all, we're very excited as we begin the show because we know that George is not potentially anyway, done with its 2023 class. You're looking ahead to Jordan Hall later on this afternoon making his decision. This would be a gigantic defensive lineman to add in the fold, and obviously there's a lot of excitement about that. So we're eyes towards what may happen later on today, and uh, smart for Hall to kind of get the stage to himself here a little bit after all the energy that gets absorbed on Wednesday. So we'll watch that down in the Jacksonville area coming up a uh, little bit later on. But before any of that and kind of the the potential finishing touch being put on this 2023 class, let's talk about what mattered on Wednesday. And I would say that you're probably with me on this, that nothing mattered more than adding five-star edge rusher Damon Wilson into the fold yesterday afternoon. We covered this live for you there on Dog Nation. One of the things I said during our video yesterday was, hey, I think we all need to understand that in football, there are some premium positions, which is not to say that, you know, all positions don't matter. And frankly, I think Georgia has kind of shown you that, hey, all 11 guys in the field have a role to play and you can be a championship team by maximizing the most potential out of all 11 of those positions. So in a lot of ways, the Georgia product on the field kind of pushes back against what I'm saying right now. And yet I still think, generally speaking, what I'm saying is accurate there are some positions that just sort of have that kind of premium label to them and if you understand what football is obviously the quarterback position has this outsized level of importance and because quarterback is so important other positions connection to quarterback become important because of that in other words hey I'm the quarterback I'm the most important guy on the field and the guy that protects the quarterback then offensive tackle he becomes important the guy that the quarterback throws to wide receiver he becomes important and on the other side of the field the guy that makes the quarterback's job the most difficult he then becomes really important too and that to me is the edge rusher spot right now I think it's interesting that in recent years you've seen the way in which like recruiting services kind of categorize these players it sort of changed it used to be you called some guys weak side defensive ends and you called some guys outside linebacker and frankly that may have been accurate from a position standpoint but it probably didn't speak to the overall value that players like this sort of have that whether they play in a 4-3 they play in a 3-4 they play in the whatever else these are guys who just sort of stand on the edge and come after quarterbacks let's just call them edge rushers first of all that's a great sounding name doesn't that sound kind of cool it'd be kind of a cool position to be described as and so I like the way in which the football conversation has evolved in recent years to say that for guys like Damon Wilson we're just going to call them edge rushers because ultimately that's really what their job is and that probably is a better description than the more position specific stuff we would have heard in the past and that's obviously what Georgia added so a premium position is the edge rusher spot and yesterday Georgia brings in a Gabe Harris and a Sam and Pemba and Damon Wilson kind of late yesterday and so Georgia really answered a need when it comes to that sort of edge rusher spot I think that's the kind of thing that you feel uh, really really good about 
if you are a UGA fan. In fact, uh, Kirby Smart talked about this some yesterday. We'll hear some of the Kirby stuff uh, later on tomorrow. But Kirby kind of talked about the need there at the edge rusher spot. And obviously, that's exactly what Georgia went out there and answered as it comes to this 2023 class. But beyond that, let's just kind of be candid here for a moment. Georgia has won with a lot of five-star recruits in recent years. That's just one of those things that that has become kind of commonplace here. And I don't take that for granted, but I, it is just fair that – when you have so many wins with so many five-star guys, eventually you're maybe become a little desensitized to it. Is that the word you want to look here? That you become maybe a little desensitized to all of this, that it's kind of hard to kind of decide which of these five-star battles sort of matter more than the others. And what my contention would be to you is, is that in the category of sort of five-star guys that, that uh, Georgia has won with, and you're thankful to have them all, but in the category of five-star guys that Georgia has won with, I would kind of put Wilson in a little higher category than just that. To me, Wilson kind of represents something beyond just another five-star win for Georgia. Ho-hum. We do this on signing day each and every year. To me, Wilson kind of represents just a little bit more than that. And I thought that yesterday, Jeff Sintel, our Dog Nation recruiting insider, who we'll also hear from on tomorrow's show, I thought that Jeff Sintel in the video that we did yesterday to kind of react to the Wilson announcement probably put this in pretty good terms here uh, about why the, the, the Wilson thing for George is important. And Jeff really pointed out two key issues that I think really matters here. Let me let you hear Jeff talking about Damon Wilson. That'll set us up for the conversation here, too. This is Jeff on Wilson from yesterday. I think he's an alpha. You know, first of all, we kind of look. Um, he has all the measurables. He's about 6'4", about 235. For me, what he's got is elite production in Florida's highest classification. His two teams played for the state championship, both his junior and senior years. I think he has 270 career tackles. Here's one that just jumps out for a three-year starter. He has 31 career sacks at the high school level, um, 410 on the bench press, 550 on the squat. I think Sinclair is going to love this guy. I think dog fans are going to love this guy because I think he's the he's the five-star that everybody's like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to play with this guy. Well, I think he's a guy that's going to translate and hit the field a little bit earlier than maybe a Samuel and Pimba will. So I think that's really interesting from Jeff. Calls him an alpha. And the other thing that Jeff says there, and this is what's really important to me, is in so many words, what Jeff is saying is Damon Wilson's not a project. You know, sometimes when you see like the five-star player, it's the five-star player because of the speed, because of the size, because of the measurables. But the production isn't necessarily there because even in high school football, when you've got NFL type frame, it still takes a lot of training to go out there and succeed on a football field, especially if you're playing in a high level of competition, a state like Georgia or in Wilson's case, a state like Florida. When you're playing against a good level of competition, even if you have an NFL type body, it takes some specialized training to go out there and succeed in a situation like that. There are a lot of source, you know, so-called five-star recruits that don't necessarily perform like five stars on Friday nights because they're just a little more project oriented. They're not quite as finished a product as of yet. But Jeff says, and he gives you some of the stats, and if you'll read Jeff's story, from like Monday or whenever it was at dognation.com when he kind of went into some more detail about Wilson. He kind of gave you a little bit more of the stat line for Wilson over the course of the last couple of years. This is a guy who's sacking quarterbacks in high school. This is a guy who's making tackles in high school. This is not one of those guys, you know, the phrase that people use sometimes, the underwear Olympics, you know, how does he look in kind of some of these, you know, training activities, some of these camp activities. This is not just a guy that goes out there and sort of looks good in a, in, in a camp format, looks good doing drills on air. This is a guy who's actually succeeding on Friday night. And I would say, and this may be an overly simplified way to say this, but I would say 
that makes it more likely that he can step into the situation of Georgia and compete sooner rather than later. I think that's really good news. The other thing that Jeff points out here, and this is one of those things that I also think should get your attention, is that Wilson has a big frame. And in the future, that's one of the things that I think that Georgia is seeking from its edge rusher, kind of outside linebacker type spot. It just wants outside linebackers who are a little bit bigger, guys who are run, guys who can run and be athletic, of course, but it just wants those guys that can be a little bit bigger. I think that Darius Smith Jr. last year was a little bit of an example of this. And I, I think that, you know, the guys that Georgia brings in this year, kind of an example of that too, is that Georgia doesn't want these edge rusher types, these outside linebacker types who are going to simply be, you know, sort of absorbed by the offensive tackle. You know, you want somebody that can kind of do battle with a big offensive tackle and have a chance to use a big frame to get around that guy. You want your edge rusher to be able to get after the quarterback and size is a part of that. And that's kind of become, I think, a little bit of a recruiting priority for Georgia at the outside linebacker spot. So that's something else about this decision I think you ought to notice. Bottom line here on this particular conversation is is that Georgia added a lot to its 2023 class. And over the course of the next few days, we'll get into a lot of you know what mattered and, and why it was so impressive and what you like about the future here. But if we only have a couple of minutes to sort of focus on one thing, I think Damon Wilson is really worth focusing on. Very, very impressive addition to Georgia. It's a position of need. It's a premium position. Georgia needs more sacks in the future than it's had. Even this year, what might be a national championship year, probably still could have used more quarterback pass pressure over the course of the long haul of the season. In the future, guys like Wilson are going to be able to provide that. All right, let me shift gears to this. And I have to confess something here for a moment. So yesterday you know we do dog nation daily we cover kind of the news at the moment as it relates to damon wilson and then after that i kind of checked out because uh family stuff christmas everything else so i was kind of checked out a little bit later on this uh yesterday evening that just sort of happens from time to time and i kind of missed a lot of the hysteria as it related to travis hunter uh, i had seen the tweet that hunter had put out about who wants christmas present or whatever else and then you know kind of hunter kind of started putting it out there about what the hundred thousand folks on youtube and really trying to generate some interest in a decision that he wanted to make there on the spot and part of the reason why there had been any intrigue relating to hunter and the decision he may make now for backstory here many of you are aware of this uh tw- class of 2022 travis hunter top player in the country top player in the state of georgia had been a two-way star at collins hill had been a longtime florida state commit and then surprisingly on signing day a year ago made the decision to follow Dion sanders to jackson state well when Dion left to go to colorado hunter put his name in the transfer portal and there there's been this kind of common assumption well of course hunter will uh just follow Dion to colorado the same way he made the unorthodox decision to follow him to jackson state however earlier this week we played this audio for you at the time uh, Travis Hunter had said, hey, maybe don't be quite so quick to assume that's what's going to be the case. In fact, as a way of kind of explaining why all of this is even interesting, this is Travis Hunter once again from the other day. Yes, I have entered the transfer portal. And I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I know I'm just trying to look for a new home and I want to take my time out in this decision and go ahead and just wait my options out. I don't want to just rush into nothing, jump into nothing. Yes, everybody wants me to follow Coach Prime. But I want to follow Coach Brown, too, but I need to know if it's a fit for me, then I'll go. If it's not a fit for me, I'm not going. I just want everybody to know that. I make everything clear. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm committing to Colorado right now or I'm never going to do it. I'm just saying, you know, that's not in my plan as of right now to just go jump and be on the team. I'm just waiting my office out and 
So when Hunter said that, we said we'd take him at his word. We had some reason to believe that uh, George would try to be involved in kind of a second chance recruitment on Travis Hunter. And then yet ultimately Hunter made the decision that probably most folks probably thought he would make all along. We showed you the photo on video a moment ago. I'll show it to you again. Uh, Last night on YouTube, he did, by the way, get his 100,000 YouTube followers. So congratulations to him on that. And he puts on the Colorado Buffaloes hat there. I took a little screenshot of uh of hunter doing just that so he is following Dion sanders to colorado and it's interesting to point out that while Dion gets the big hit the, the big win here with hunter a guy that he's won with in the past yesterday was not a particularly good signing day for sanders at colorado and he's just gotten the job and obviously there's still you know uh, a lot of opportunity in the transfer portal and things like that but it's not like Dion made a bunch of noise necessarily yesterday on his first signing day there with the Buffs. Honesty compels you to admit on that. But they do win with Travis Hunter, a guy who I do think is a really big-time player. And I guess my response to the Hunter news yesterday is, is, is a couple of fold here. Is that it certainly seems like for the thing that Hunter, I believe, does well – I am far more interested in Hunter as a wide receiver than I am as a defensive back, especially maybe at a place like Georgia. I don't know how Georgia viewed him necessarily, but I really would have been more interested in Hunter as a wide receiver. It is obviously true that Georgia's got some big time options looking ahead when it comes to the wide receiver spot. It seems to be in a really good spot with Ra Ra Thomas. Uh, that may even be one of those things that sooner rather than later, Thomas makes his announcement that he's coming to Georgia. There's been some chatter related to that. Dominic Lovett, who's a big-time player on the open market, uh, most recently of Missouri, he took a visit to Georgia. Uh, obviously, there's some chatter out there that Georgia might be in a good position with Lovett. You certainly would like that for to be the case. So it is not a necessarily a big loss for Georgia not getting Hunter, even though I would like for Georgia to have gotten Hunter. I'd like for Hunter to come to Georgia uh it is not necessarily a, a, a big loss here that uh hunter is going to go to colorado instead because georgia's obviously got some targets who've already been productive in the sec they have a chance to win with some of this just kind of comes down to i just kind of like travis hunter i'm entertained by travis hunter i think he's a good player uh, I think it would have been fun to have him here at UGA, uh, but ultimately it's not like there's some sort of decimation, uh, you know, that the, the Georgia options in the transfer portal are decimated because of the fact that Hunter makes a different decision. And here's the other thing I, I kind of say, too, and we'll kind of wrap this up. There is also something you said for, as you've heard me say in the past. Hey, if a guy like Hunter is in the open market, of course you go after him. Of course you make a pitch. I'm assuming that Georgia probably did. Of course you do your thing. Even if it seems likely he'll do the same thing he's done in the past, which is follow Deion Sanders to a new job, even if it seems obvious that's going to be the case, you still make your pitch because you got to have thick skin in recruiting. You can't get your feelings hurt easily. And a lot of times guys are going to use potential interest in you from you as leverage to get 100,000 YouTube followers or get whatever else they want from the school that's in question. And that's just the cost of doing business. And if you lose it, you dust yourself off, you shake yourself off, and you uh, go back and you fight the next battle again with the next guy. And who knows how this kind of stuff plays out over the course of the long term of years. So bottom line here is, yeah, Travis Hunter uh, put himself out there. Uh, There was some thought that maybe a guy like this might end up at Georgia. There was maybe more thought that a guy like this was always destined to follow Deion Sanders. He leveraged the uh, possibilities here to get himself a lot of attention on social media and YouTube and everything else. Then eventually he made the decision that maybe some folks kind of thought he always would make. No harm, no foul. Uh, You move on, you get the next one. And when it comes to the wide receiver spot for Georgia, the transfer portal could still be very good to the dogs before it's all said and done. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are glad to have you with us as we go for two in 22 
Boy, excited about what next week's going to bring with all of that. Game week will finally be upon us. It seems like we've been waiting for that forever. Well, uh, we'll enjoy some Christmas time, and then on the other side of that, we'll get ready for the Peach Bowl, the college football playoff, and the Ohio State Buckeyes, and a chance to really go out there and get a big win for the uh, program. That's coming up next week, and so we're looking forward to that. Go for two in 22. But for now, big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making this show possible. Your source for Georgia divorce. And we say this a lot, and we understand kind of your position if you find yourself in this set of circumstances. But the holiday season can be really, really challenging for people who have kind of come to the conclusion that they're part of a relationship that just does not have a uh, happy future to it. And I don't say that lightly because I'm guessing that if you kind of in that situation, you know that the divorce process is scary and confusing. So it's almost like an instinctive thing that if you could avoid that, of course, you'd want to. I understand that. And yet, if you've tried that, if you've kind of gone down the road with that, eventually you just sort of get to the to, to the realization that's just not going to happen. This this divorce is inevitable. And if that's the situation you find yourself in, then I want to in- introduce you to my friends at uh, Meriwether and Tharp because they're your source for Georgia divorce. And what they understand is the weight that the divorce topic carries with it and the impact it can have on some of the most important things in your life, your relationships, such as with your children, your financial future. All of that is impacted, obviously, by the divorce process. And so Meriwether and Tharp wants to explain to you how the law can be leveraged to your benefit and give you all the knowledge you need to make the most informed decision possible. And a lot of this starts with free resources before you even make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp to handle your divorce situation. You can read about blog posts, you can listen to podcasts, and really kind of educate yourself so when you have that first initial conversation, which is a free consultation, by the way, with one of those Meriwether and Tharp attorneys, you can ask better questions and really kind of sit your yourself up to understand the most possible about the divorce process and how it's going to impact you. So find my friends at Meriwether and Tharp online at the Atlanta divorce team.com. That's the Atlanta divorce team.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, we're going to talk to Terrence Edwards here in a moment, the great former Georgia wide receiver. And as you might imagine on a day like this, one of the things we're going to talk to Terrence about is the news we're about to cover here around the doghouse presented today by Serve Pro. It was reported yesterday. I guess Matt Zenitz had this first uh, reporter for On3 who's been pretty connected to the transfer portal that it's expected uh, that Georgia tight end Eric Gilbert is on his way to the transfer portal. Now, I feel a little bit about Gilbert the way that I kind of mentioned about uh, Travis Hunter a moment ago. There are some guys you sort of like rooting for. You're kind of entertained by them. And Gilbert, for me, has kind of always been one of those guys just sort of like Gilbert. I, I enjoyed him at Marietta High School. I've always felt like he was one of the more interesting prospects I can remember seeing. And when he you know, didn't choose Georgia the first time, when he went to LSU, it was kind of disappointing. And when Georgia got a second chance at him, when he transferred to Georgia, I was really, really excited about all of that. Georgia's obviously had a lot of great tight ends, and there's been a lot of depth in that room. But Gilbert, for me, has just always been one of those guys. Personally, I, just, I, th- I think that Gilbert's a really interesting player, much the same way I kind of feel that way about Travis Hunter. And sometimes it just sort of comes down to that. You know, you have a favorite team, but sometimes there are certain players you sort of gravitate toward. You're, you're entertained by them. And, and for me, Gilbert is one of those guys. And yet, through it all, it just sort of seems like that – the opportunity to really thrive here at Georgia and be the player that Gilbert's talent suggests that he could be, that just wasn't materializing here at UGA. And that's through no fault of anyone's because the indication that you get, at least that I get from conversations that I've had with people who know far more about this situation than I do, is that Georgia has taken great care to try to understand what's going on with Eric 
and great care to provide Gilbert what he has needed. I'm talking about beyond just being a football player, being a young man who's obviously had you know, uh, a significant enough list of needs that take him, took him away from football for all of 2021 and for a lot of 2022 that Georgia has really tried to do right by Gilbert. I think that Gilbert's also tried uh, to kind of live into the potential that he's had. And right now it's just not working. And sometimes maybe a change of scenery is the next step in all of this. But I think that we are certainly led to believe that that you know both parties here have kind of done everything they possibly can to kind of make this work. In fact, when you've heard Kirby Smart talk about this uh, in, in in public, Smart has certainly done so with great care, and I mean, I think he comes across as pretty, uh, you know, in, in, with a lot of empathy about the situation and trying his best to understand it as the leader of this organization. The guy wants to just sort of help Gilbert because he's in the organization. I think Kirby comes across as the kind of guy who's tried to help this. In fact, let me go back to last spring. This is when hope was at its kind of highest for Gilbert. Obviously, you had the two touchdowns on G Day, and you had all that going on. Um, and yet it was also the time period in which Kirby Smart was, I think, was trying to give you a little more information about what exactly kind of had been going on with Gilbert and exactly how Georgia was viewing Gilbert's attempted return to football. This was Kirby from last spring. Yeah, Eric's done a great job uh, kind of integrating back to the team. He's been here for a while now. Um, he's done the work we've asked of him. He's doing well academically. Um, you know, I think there's this perception and it affects – college football athletes more than anybody else because they're younger that this 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 recruiting stigma follows someone and these expectations follow kids and I look across and follow guys that maybe we signed here or signed somewhere else and they carry this really heavy uh, burden of expectation we, we, we don't place that burden on anybody I think sometimes they put it on themselves I think sometimes social media does it I think sometimes uh, media in general do it but for whatever reason Eric's a guy that's carried a lot of that burden with him in terms of expectation. Our expectation of Eric is to be the best person he can be first and foremost and uh, hopefully be the best player he can be. He's had a really good offseason. He continues to work. But that doesn't put an expectation of this guy's going to go out there and set the world on fire. He's trying to figure out where he fits in, and he's working really hard. He's done everything we've asked. Uh, he's fortunate he's going to get a lot of reps because of the two guys we have out. So he's going to get a, lo- a lot of reps. Rylan Goaty's going to get a lot of reps. Brett Scyther's going to get a lot of reps. Delp's going to get a lot of reps. So we've got guys that are going to take reps in those roles at tight end. But I think sometimes uh, the expectation is so great on these kids it can affect them psychologically. So that's a very candid comment from Kirby Smart. And that was a statement that Smart made at a time in which, I mean, I think a lot of people, you had you know certain websites kind of touting him as a first-round pick, and you had all the stuff that was out there on that. And there was some clearly excitement on our part about the notion that, 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 that Gilbert could really be a breakout player. Now, for what it's worth, on our show many, many times, Terrence Edwards came on the air to say, hey, no, that's not you know necessarily the way I want Gilbert to be viewed. And, and, and Terrence's words matter on this because he's a longtime mentor to Gilbert. Uh, Terrence had said many times, no, listen, I, I don't want to get too exaggerated with the sort of expectations we put on Gilbert. And maybe some of Terrence's reason for saying that was exactly what Smart said there is because all of that becomes extra psychological weight for a player to have to kind of carry around with him. And you know the story after that. You know, he makes an appearance in the Oregon game, uh, but the South Carolina game, the first true road game for Georgia, and this is where you know you, the 70-man roster comes into play. You have 85 scholarship players, but by SEC rule, you only travel 70 for away games in conference, and Gilbert was not a part of that traveling party that day, and that was a little bit eye-opening and sort of spoke to um, kind of where things sort of stood with Eric at the time in terms of uh, how likely he was to be a big contributor in this team. He then didn't travel to Missouri either, 
by the Florida game, he was traveling. He did go to Gainesville. I'm sorry, to Jacksonville. And then he obviously also went with the team to Starkville, too. I saw him getting off the bus there that day as well. Wasn't a player in those games, but he did travel. And in and around that, the timeline about what happened first, what happened next, kind of I sort of lose that. But he did play in the Vanderbilt game, had two catches and a touchdown. So you had this kind of period, sort of middle of the season, second half of the season, where he played against Vanderbilt. He traveled to Florida. He traveled to Mississippi State. And you thought, oh, maybe the light's you know kind of coming on here. And then by the Kentucky game again, that was the last road game that Georgia went to. He was back not traveling again. And I believe uh, other people may be able to say this better than me, but I believe that he wasn't spotted at all at the Tech game. And you can have anybody you want for your home games. And I don't believe he was here at all for that. So just based on kind of that publicly available information of the games that he was apparently attending, the games that he wasn't, the games that he played in that the that the opportunity and the and, and the uh, attempt to get back to being a full-fledged member of this football team it just wasn't working out so I think there are stories from time to time that you just don't have a bad guy I mean I think that Georgia has done everything it can to support Eric and I think that Eric as far as I know I mean listen I've had people beyond Terrence Edwards people that know the Georgia situation they're talking about people close to the situation there with the team and you know they've never said a bad word about Gilbert at all because there's going to be some attempt by some to sort of frame this as that Gilbert must be a bad guy if he's not able to to be on this George roster and participate and do those things. And people who know this story pretty well have said the exact opposite. They, they, they've never said a bad word about Gilbert. Gilbert's not been in the doghouse. Gilbert's not been, you know, on, you know, kind of kicked off the team or any, anything like that, that, that I've ever been told that this is simply about a very challenging personal situation that Gilbert's had a hard time dealing with and that George has tried to to help him deal with but it just hasn't worked out from a football standpoint so from 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 that perspective uh gilbert is moving on so that's as much as i understand about that that's as much as i feel like that can be said about that and obviously it goes without saying but we'll say it out loud anyway we wish eric well i think he's a phenomenal talent i'd love to see him doing the kinds of things that he showed you the potential that he could do on g-day even if it's in another uniform i'll still be rooting for gilbert uh but in this particular situation probably best for both parties that maybe uh he tries a kind of a new location for all of that so that's around the doghouse is presented today by uh serve pro and obviously we love what serve pro does for a lot of folks around here in fact they've done this for us too uh, going back to earlier this season we had a big issue where uh we had a, like a coffee maker or something like that you have one of these fancy coffee makers that honestly i don't even know how to use uh, it's so fancy but the water that i guess goes to the coffee maker broke i mean it just happens right sometimes that just that happens and so when the water line broke you had water going everywhere it's a mess and I mean, yeah, that, that's the actual video of when it happened. So the, the water thing broke um, uh, and it made an absolute mess in here. Our, our buddy, Michael Carvel, our producer, happened to be here. It was a game day. It was on Saturday. And so Michael picked up the phone and he called Serpra. And when I tell you from what that looks like there, from the entire disaster that, that got caused by all of this, to uh, what it looks like now, which is put back together like it never even happened. That's what the restoration specialists at Surpro are famous for. And in your case, it may not be water damage, it may be fire damage, which let's be honest, that's even worse, right? I mean, that's really, really scary. Uh, that's an even worse type of situation. Uh, but once again, uh, our folks at Surpro can kind of step up and do great things for you. If you've got any kind of damage like that, the thing you want is to be put back together like it never even happened. And that's what Surpro is all about. Each and every franchise independently owned and operated there as well, which means you're doing business with someone 
who's got a stake in the outcome just like you do. So reach out today. It's our friends at ServePro. ServePro.com, S-E-R-V, ServePro.com. And it's great to have ServePro delivering around the doghouse to us here today. All right, so good to have all of you. We'll kind of pull back and look at the rest of the country from a National Signing Day perspective before we're all said and done. We also have a terrific golden shoe today that we'll share with you as well. So all of that is uh, coming up, but for now, more on the Gilbert situation, Georgia possibly looking around at transfer wide receivers, and a whole lot more. Let's cover it all with Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So we'll bring on Terrence Edwards here. Obviously, uh, a lot of fun things to talk about, but Terrence, I do want to bring you in on the conversation we were just having, and this is a name that I've obviously brought up with you many times because of the closeness to your relationship with him, but it was reported yesterday that Eric Gilbert's going to go in the transfer portal. I tried to have my, I guess, take on this a moment ago in which the best I can tell, it seems like Georgia's really tried to do right by Gilbert. And the best I can tell, it seems like Gilbert's tried to do everything he can to kind of be back being a full-fledged member of this team. And yet, for whatever reason, it just hasn't quite worked out. And sometimes maybe that means for both parties, a change of scenery is kind of necessary here. What is your understanding and what do you feel comfortable saying about kind of what's gone down with Gilbert now that it appears he's about to be no longer a member of this football team anymore? Right. You know, there's you know, I haven't said a lot because, uh, you know, that's his personal business and his family personal business. Um, if they ever wanted to, to say, that's, that's on them to say. Um, but I can say this, and I, uh, you know, I, and I text Kirby this morning because it was, it was heavy on my heart. And I just told him I appreciate everything you did for the young man. Uh, everything you tried to do, Georgia did everything to uh, help him. Uh, he did everything right. I, I heard you earlier, B.A., he was never in trouble. Academically, he was in good standing. Uh, so there there wasn't a, a pitfall of anything negative with this situation at all. Uh, so, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, um, he's ready to move on. Uh, all we can do is continue to pray and uplift the young man. Uh, not be negative because there's nothing negative about this this situation. Uh, so I, I just appreciate what Georgia has done for the young man and just and just been there for it, um, along with his teammates. They they they've been there for him, and I've preached all year. You know, not just now. The young man has a a whole life to live, even if he ever never play another snap or down a football pier. He has a a life. To live and uh that's what i care about man just the, the young man living his life the best that he can he's have, he's gonna have to do a lot of work for his personal self but he's a young man that's gonna continue to just try to be the best version he could be and that's what i ask for and that's what i've always said you ba throughout this whole thing yeah. is the young man just I, i'm rooting for him in life and not football no, I think that's really well said. And Terrence, if you don't mind, I want to go back to something else you said a moment ago about your message to Kirby. And this is the thing that I think a lot of our audience would probably find interesting because the version of Kirby that we see publicly is this like no nonsense guy. And he's this incredibly intense competitor. And I think it would be easy to make some assumptions in the part of that. Well, for a guy that's so publicly all about football, that Kirby is all about football all the time at the expense of relationships. And 
I think we see a lot of examples of how not true that is, that that whether it be in a situation like Gilbert, you know, wanting to give him help because he was a, you know, a young man that he cared for, not because he was a football player that could help Georgia, that, that this, this went beyond all of that. And I think there's a different side to Kirby from time to time that the average person just doesn't get to see because all we hear are the press conferences or the, the halftime speeches where he's like sort of fired up and at his most competitive. And yet when the bright lights are not on and when the public is not watching, you know, I, I think this coaching staff has proven itself to be the kind of uh, group of men that care about these players as human beings more so than just football players. And as someone like yourself who maybe gets a chance to see a little bit more of that, would you mind talking more about that? Because I do think that's the kind of thing that our audience would probably be interested by hearing. Yes, you know, outside of being this fierce competitor as, as a coach, uh, he's still a, a human being that has his own children uh, with Mary Beth. So, coming from a coach's, you know, his father is a coach, and so he understands the commitment and time that we as coaches put with other people's children, not your own. And, yes, we're going to try to get the best out of you from a athletic standpoint. But once you enter that field house and the, the paths are off, these are normal people with normal problems. So I, you know, there, there. That's that's what a coach is. We're going to get the best out of you while the pads are on, but at some point the the pads will come off, and we all have human issues, life issues that arise. And you know, Kirby is a human being with a heart, a good one at that, a big heart for all of his players, even though he he's tough on them. He also have a human side where he's very compassionate and caring about his players. Let me move on to a different subject. It seems like George is poised to be active in the transfer portal and wide receiver seems to be one of the positions which uh, they're interested here. You know, there had been some chatter about Travis Hunter. I guess let me first of all start with this. What did you make of all the Travis Hunter stuff here? The uh, the attention that he gets, he generates what a hundred thousand YouTube followers, whatever else, and then ultimately makes the transfer decision to. Uh, <laughs> to go with Dion once again and go to Colorado. Uh, as we kind of think about transfer wide receivers that Georgia could be interested uh, in, let me just sort of start with that. What did you think about all the stuff that kind of played out with Hunter yesterday? Uh, I I wasn't shocked. Uh, I, I, I assume, just like everyone else, that he was still going to end up in Colorado. I know it, it went out for a few hours that he was going to do what's best fit for him, and what's best fit for him is it's been with Dion, and and it's funny to me that that people, I read Twitter, Twitter and social media about, you know, the kid is not worried about development, and the kid is not worried about this. If you watch this kid, this kid could play eight at Jackson State, Georgia, Alabama, Colorado. This kid talent is is off the meter. <laughs> like, yeah, it is so crazy that doesn't matter where he goes. I think people don't understand how the NFL works. They, they're they looking at potential and not what school you went to. So his potential, and I say this all the time, he is a wide receiver to me. I've been saying this since I've seen him two years ago. I think he is a wide receiver. I think that's his best position. Um, so, you know, congrats to him. I'm ready to see him take his talents into the Pac-10, I think, Colorado's in. Yeah. And – uh just ready to see him play. I think we have some other transfer wide receivers that I like as well. So kudos to B Mac of bringing in a to me a fast. <laughs> if you saw my tweet the other day, like who would win in the race? 
you can see what type of, of speed Kirby and company is trying yeah. to bring in at that position. No, I think that's a really interesting point. And I guess beyond that, you know, the names you're going to hear are a guy like Ra Ra Thomas, who played at Mississippi State and has visited Georgia, or a guy like Dominic Lovett, who's played at Missouri and uh, visited Georgia. These are guys that have been in the SEC. They've produced in the SEC. How valuable do you think that is for Georgia to to be able to bring in guys like that if they were able to get one or both those players? How valuable is that to bring in guys that have actually performed well in the league that Georgia plays in? Because in a lot of transfer situations, or certainly high school situations, you're having to try to make a guess of, can this guy handle the SEC? Can this guy perform in this league? But in the case of the receivers that I just mentioned, you already have a proof of concept. You have seen what they've done against some of the same competition that you're going to be playing. How valuable is that for Georgia? They're targeting potentially wide receivers who you know can already thrive in this league because they already have. Yeah, that's big. You know, that that's something I think that is probably spoken about. You have two guys that are very talented, very I. I I love both of these two guys' game, and both of them are very different. One a bigger, one is uh, is a slot that is very dynamic coming out of the slot, and you have a outside guy who can stretch the field because that's what he has to do in, in that Mike Leach offense. So these are two guys that can step right in and play. Not saying that they will be uh, Jamison uh, Williams and what he did at Alabama, but he was able to step in at day one and be – a uh, very productive player. I think these two guys will step in day one and be very productive. And, and really the Missouri kid coming in and be a, a dynamic slot, that is something I, I don't think we've had since Isaiah McKenzie left. But he he would definitely control the middle of the field with his uh, football skills skill set. So these are two guys that uh, if we're able to get them, it's it, it, it makes that room even better. So along those lines, you, uh, you know, one of the other things that's been kind of said is if George were to get a rah-rah Thomas, then all of a sudden maybe a guy like Lad McConkie could go back and play inside again. And I know Lad's a guy that you like a lot, Terrence. How, how would you feel about that? Do you think that the potential transfer addition here would give a guy like McConkie to, uh, a chance to play more inside, or, or, or do you kind of view him more as an outside receiver despite the fact that he doesn't quite have outside receiver size? Yeah, I think Ladd is, is able to play anywhere they, they put him. He's just that smart of a football player. Um, so if, if Ra-Ra is able to come and Ladd is able to move into the slot, that just brings a, a different dynamic to the, the receiving core. Uh, but I think Ladd is able to excel at outside receiver, inside receiver, as we've already seen. So I just don't want to uh, pigeonhole him into one position. But just having a, a, a guy like Ra Ra, a six two guy that has already performed and uh let's just call it spade a spade. He hasn't been on the best team at, at, at Mississippi State. Yeah. They've been competitive but not a, a, a team like a Georgia Alabama and he brings that type of talent. Uh, that just makes whatever team he goes to, especially if he comes to Georgia, just makes us that even better. And breaking in a new quarterback, we're definitely gonna need the, the, the most talent we have on the outside just making that position much better so the, the quarterback can have as much talent around him as possible uh and then beyond that i will finish with this georgia obviously kind of putting the cap here on a 2023 class it's pretty defensive heavy right now and i don't say that in a bad way uh, georgia's obviously added some amazing uh, defensive names here but there's some offensive names in this too uh terrence overall what is your thought about what georgia's been able to get done thus far with high school recruits here for this class of 2023 
So uh, last year I spoke about, I just think, the, the defensive secondary for the corners that we brought in last year. I just thought that was kind of the best class uh, overall, the totality. But the, the, the three linebackers that we brought in, I think is is probably one of the best, if not the best. I'm going to say the best class that we ever brought in was my class in 1998 with Will Witherspoon, Boss Beta, Tony Gibbs. Tony Gilbert, Kawika Mitchell, and my high school teammate Jesse Miller. Mm-hmm. This, this, these three, right? These three is right there with those five, and I'm ready to see these guys uh, operate. The, my biggest things I always say: Who are the are there are there leaders? Their talent is there. That linebacker spot from Dilmos to Nakobe, they're true leaders of a team. So if they have that capacity, that that group is going to be really special. No, I think that's really interesting. And the one thing that kind of comes to mind for me, Terrence, is is that you mentioned like last year you can say that Georgia potentially had a historic haul at defensive back. And this year you can say, well, it looks like sort of a historic haul at inside linebacker. But then by adding Damon Wilson yesterday, you almost say, hey, Gabe Harris and uh, and Sam and Pemba and, and, and Damon Wilson, all of a sudden your, your success at outside linebacker looks almost like your success at inside linebacker. So anytime you're saying it's potentially a historic haul at more than one position, when you also had a historic haul at a different position the previous year, I think it sort of speaks to the future for Georgia defensively being as bright as ever. And I say that knowing full well how good they were in 2021. But this defense legitimately has a chance to be scary good in the very near future. Right, I think so. I mean, you just – I think the biggest thing that we lacked this year is just dynamic pass rushes from the edge and I think we got three guys uh, that I really like that uh, is going to be able to I think uh, get home without coach blitzing a lot uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the things I think this defense lacks is, is dynamic outside rushing and I think he um, and the Georgia Bulldogs kind of found three guys that they believe that could be that dynamic pass rusher so uh, I like everything about this class uh, the one thing that I do wish, and I, and I tweeted this, I, I think the athlete from North Carolina that we flipped from North Carolina State, I like him as a running back with his speed. I know we're going to try to transition him to DB, but we just don't have that guy who can take it 80. We have a guy who can take it 40. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking for a guy that can really you know, scare defenders like James Cook, uh, Keith Marshall that really could, could take the top off as a running back. And we don't have that right now. Um, but I wish that guy would get an opportunity to play running back because he has that type of speed. Uh, that's really well said, uh, Terrence. Great stuff. We appreciate you being here. And by the way, I know you put it out there on social media the other day. You want to get that indoor facility built because uh, it's cold right now. You're doing that personalized special training. <laughs> Not easy to do when yes, it's 15 degrees outside. <laughs> yes, I, I, I can tell you this. I won't be outside training at 15 degrees. I, I, I won't do that. But in, in, in January, the bubble work will get started. Uh, inside the bubble, inside, because I'm, I'm a Georgia boy through and through, and I don't like cold weather. I don't see how I made it nine years playing in the Canadian Football League because um, it's definitely cold up there. But I will be starting with Ron Bill at the bubble in the first of the year if you're interested. My social media platform is Terrence Elwood, wide receiver academy. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for being here. Merry Christmas to you and your family, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I thought that Terrence had a great evaluation of that Georgia defense. When you think about the the, the position groups here, 
you know, what George brought in at defense back a year ago, just the sheer number of names. And is George likely to keep all those names? Maybe not. But the sheer number of names is overwhelming. And when you think about what inside linebacker is, I mean, honestly, I said this yesterday uh, on one of our uh, video products. Raylan Wilson, uh, Troy Bowles, and C.J. Allen, like that says, you know, you, you go after three linebackers and they're all bangers. They're all like major, major names. I mean, that feels about as good as it, it can get. And I had really sort of thought that might be the headline of this class. And yet by adding Damon Wilson to go along with Mpemba and Gabe Harris, and listen, a lot of folks really like what Gabe Harris brings to the table. All of a sudden now you're like outside linebacker is kind of just as good as inside linebacker. And that really speaks a lot to what this is all about. And it's also one of those reasons why I got like Jordan Hall is so important uh, later on today because, you know, you're cleaning house at uh, defense back. You did that a year ago. Cleaning house you know at a a linebacker here right now and you want that bedrock of that defense to be that defensive line and obviously you know you look at what you know Georgia brings in like say Jamal Jarrett who kind of has the feel of that sort of next Jordan Davis well you know it's always nice to put another you know top flight you know athletic defensive tackle next to your next Jordan Davis and that's what a guy like Jordan Hall could be there too so I think the ultimate legacy of the 2021 defense for Georgia and we said this at the beginning of this calendar is one of the things we said that the ultimate legacy of the 2021 defense at Georgia is they played so well they performed so well they represented Georgia so well that their ultimate legacy will be they will create a defense that's actually better than they were and that's what it's all said you know and, and that's when it's all said and done that the 2021 defense maybe it's the best of all time but what it really is is just simply the best Georgia defense so far because when you look at the recruits that have chosen Georgia in the aftermath of Georgia doing defensively what it did in 2021, it is certainly fair to say that the, uh, what is it, the Michael Jordan line they once used, the ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the roof for this Georgia defense here right now. Uh, some absolutely fun times to come with all the talent that's been added in here over the course of the last couple of recruiting cycles. And we'll give you a look at the rest of the recruiting world here coming up, uh, kind of around the SEC. And we'll, in fact, we'll call it cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And boy, I got to tell you, hearing more and more folks getting more and more excited because here's what happens is that when you're like in the fall, 2023 seems like forever away. But as you get closer to Christmas, all of a sudden you get closer to the end of the year and you start looking at the new year is only being now a few days away. And when it's when we get to 2023, we're kind of like showtime go time for the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. So here's what I'm kind of finding out. There are a lot of people who kind of feel like, well, I've got, you know, a long time to get ready for this cruise, long time to get booked up for this cruise. And then lo and behold, when you look and you're like, oh, no, this is coming up here pretty soon. Uh, you, we're really only kind of a matter of weeks away from this now. And we've been talking about it for a long time. but We're really now only kind of a matter of a couple of months away from really getting ready to go april 24th through the 28th leaving out of port canaveral going to nassau on the bahamas perfect day coco k and really being a part of what's going to be an awesome awesome experience i was thinking about the dog nation cruise the other day and how much fun it was you know we talking about nfl draft and those great defensive names that went in the first round we're celebrating them all out there on the top deck of independence and seas and every time one of those names came out we're all yelling and cheering we had a draft party and it's just fun and i want to have fun with all of you too in fact this year's crew is going to be even bigger than the one we did a year ago it's going to end up being one of the biggest events we've ever done at dog nation and i say that knowing full well how big some of our events have been but this is going to be gigantic and to make it the best it can possibly be we need you there so visit royaldogs.com that's royaldogs.com that's the website that jessica slater who's a terrific travel agent she was specially selected for us by royal caribbean 
that she has done to kind of put all of this together. In fact, you can even give Jessica a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Jessica will tell you about all the stuff, uh, about what makes Royal Caribbean cruises so fun, what makes Independence of the Seas in particular a lot of fun, the entertainment, all the bars and restaurants and things like that. And also the special stuff we're doing just for those on board the Dog Nation cruise with us. So talk to Jessica. She'll tell you all about that. Now, let's talk some recruiting. Cruising around the SEC here, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And if I forget something big here, y'all just tell me. Because I'm trying my best to give you all the stuff that mattered from yesterday. I guess maybe the most single interesting decision may have been the one involving Cormani McClain. Cormani McClain was supposed to sign with Miami yesterday, and he didn't. And this had been that sort of high-profile thing where for like ever in a day, Florida thought they were destined to win with McLean, who's really the nation's top cornerback. And yet, 11th hour type thing, Miami swooped in, did what they've done a lot. They kind of money-whipped the Gators. You remember when this happened. We talked about it a good bit of the time. Uh, they kind of money-whipped the Gators. They win with McLean. And yesterday, McLean was supposed to sign, and they didn't. So you're kind of left to say, well, okay, well, if McLean is either hesitating on the Miami thing, holding out for even more money, or, you know, whatever he's doing, if McLean is now back on the open market, who benefits? I guess in a roundabout way, it could be Florida, although it certainly seems like what's more likely here is that it's either an Alabama program that McLean's had some connection with, and obviously Alabama's putting together the nation's number one class. And this is also one of those situations which Deion Sanders in Colorado have proven to be a factor. I said this uh, earlier on in the show. I would not be surprised at all if Dion is a huge factor in the transfer portal uh, coming up over the course of the next few weeks. But it was not a huge signing day for Colorado necessarily. Uh, not a lot of noise being made with actual high school recruits uh, yesterday for the most part for the Buffs. But if McLean were to end up going to Florida, I, mean, I should say going to Colorado, that would end up changing that. So the bottom line here is big uh, thing yesterday involving McLean not going to Miami. Is it a Florida thing? Is it a Bama thing? Is it a Colorado thing? This is like your signing day drama, uh, if you will, as it relates to that. Uh, the other story that was kind of very interesting yesterday is what went down with Oregon. My, oh my, oh my, what a day for Dan Lanning and the Ducks. So I guess it all starts with this. Do you remember the other day when we talked about Dante Moore, who had been like, and this is a five-star quarterback, this is a big-time quarterback, and had been committed to Oregon for quite some time. And yet, right there at the end, there had been some chatter this might happen, then it did happen. Moore flipped from Oregon to UCLA. And I think a lot of this was kind of related to Kenny Dillingham, the former Oregon offensive coordinator, going to become Arizona State head coach. Dillingham's a pretty young guy, but he's, I mean, people say dream job a lot. You know, Dillingham's an Arizona State grad. A lot of ways, Arizona State really might be his dream job. I think he sort of said that it was. So he leaves, takes that job. And for Moore, that was too much uncertainty for him. He wants to go play for Chip Kelly. And by the way, it's not a guarantee that Moore will even start as a freshman at UCLA because they're seemingly going to be pretty active in the transfer portal, already have brought in at least one transfer quarterback. So you know, it's not maybe a playing time thing for Moore necessarily because I'm not quite so sure he starts day one at UCLA. But either way, he wanted to go be a part of that Chip Kelly situation. So you're kind of left to wonder, what does this mean for Oregon? Well, they got busy yesterday, and they—I mean—they're just—they were just knocking them down one run after the other. The biggest story probably was the fact that after losing Moore, they go out and take Austin Novosad, another good quarterback, a lower-rated player than Moore, but still a pretty high-rated prospect. They take him from Baylor, and then they just started winning with recruit after recruit after recruit after recruit. And it was kind of funny. 
I think we briefly mentioned this. I know Mike Griffith wrote about this. There was the Matt Rule tweet. Rule is the new coach in Nebraska, of course, former uh, Baylor head coach and failure of a head coach uh, with the Carolina Panthers. But I do believe that Rule's probably a pretty smart guy, and I believe he's probably a pretty good fit for uh, for Baylor. I'm sorry, for, for Nebraska overall. So um, Rule had this really cryptic tweet, which I think people are still not quite so sure exactly what he meant by this, but it was pretty clearly a reference to Oregon and Miami and the NIL dollars. And when he included Oregon in this, I actually didn't really know like why Oregon was being mentioned here for this. Maybe the rest of the world knew they were about to go on a spending spree yesterday, but I wasn't quite so prepared for that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the Nike money, our producer Michael Carvel says, which is, I, I guess, what a lot of this is, I guess. Um, but I wasn't quite so ready for Oregon to do. I mean, frankly, I haven't really thought of um, Oregon as being a huge player on the NIL scene. I mean, you had the Kayvon Thibodeau thing a couple of years ago with the whole NFT the NFT deal. But listen, <laughs> I mean, I think the ship is sort of sailing some of the NFT stuff. The, the, the point is, is that I haven't really thought of Oregon as being this like major player in the NIL space. But apparently after yesterday, they clearly are. And Matt Rule had some indication this was coming. That's why he mentioned Oregon in his, in, in his tweet. But bottom line is, what a day for Oregon. What a day for Dan Lanning in particular. Because we've got a lot of young coaches right now trying to sort of vie for position and kind of sort of prove they belong. And, and and by the way, in comparison to even more established coaches, you know, bad day for for uh, Brian Day in Ohio State. Like, who looks like the better recruiter right now? The second-year coach, soon-to-be second-year coach Dan Lanning, or a guy like Brian Day who's supposed to be more established at a place like Ohio State? That yesterday, you know, uh, Dan Lanning made uh, – <laughs> it almost kind of reminds me – this is kind of a, a dated and weird reference. The sort of backstory for Tony Soprano was is that one day he and whoever held up a poker game and that was like this sort of the the the, the moment where they're supposed to be taken seriously as gangsters. This was sort of Dan Lanning's moment like that. Like like, you know, the the the, the message was received that uh this is a man that has to be respected here moving forward. And I, I don't know, a pretty big day for Dan Lanning overall there on that. So I'll give him a lot of credit. Bama does have the number one class. Uh, and listen, they're very proud of that. I think it's really funny how quickly Alabama fans have sort of become what they once would have made fun of. You know, In the past, they would have made fun of the fans who were like, hey, don't pay attention to our on-field results. Look at our recruiting rankings. And that would have sort of felt like the kind of thing that wasn't, uh, wasn't real enough for them. They would have laughed at that. Well, all of a sudden, that's what Alabama fans have become. Hey, don't pay attention to the fact that we have lost two games this year. We have no idea who our starting quarterback is next season. Look at this recruiting class. But y'all, Bama's blue chip ratio, meaning the percentage of players in the roster who were former four and five star recruits, it was already like 90%. Like literally, all this is is a recruiting class in keeping with the overall measurable talent level that Alabama already has. And by the way, this is why they are a point spread favor in every game they play. You know, Nick Saban touted that as the reason why they should be in the playoff. Hey, ask the odds makers who would be uh, favored compared to some of these teams. Well, of course, Alabama would be favored against almost everybody, minus probably Georgia and you know, maybe one other team or so. Uh, Alabama would be favored against almost anybody because of the measurable talent they have on the roster. But Alabama has also only covered the spread in one of its last seven games. Something seems to be going on right now with this talent level at Alabama because it clearly wasn't enough for Nick Saban to, to feel that he didn't need to go into the transfer portal last year and bring in starting offensive linemen, starting wide receivers, starting running back and somehow some way that they are not quite seemingly capturing the same culture year after year uh, after year right now either so 
I'm not telling you the recruiting class doesn't mean something. Obviously, it does. There are players in this class that Georgia obviously would have liked to have had and just simply didn't get. But I'm not quite so sure a number one recruiting class alone is enough to cure what ails Alabama here right now. In fact, ask Texas A&M how it worked out having the number one recruiting class. I'm not saying Bama is heading towards a losing season in 2023, but I'm also not necessarily on the basis of just this class alone ready to say, oh, Alabama's back. I'm not quite so sure they're as back as maybe their fans would like for it to be. Uh, Graham Mertz officially did go to Florida. This is the uh, former Wisconsin quarterback and not a good one but he is on his way to Florida so this is laughable if this is what Florida thinks it's 2023 quarterback is going to be in fact most people are laughing at this so we'll see if they're done but if they're not then they may be done if you get my drift uh, and then I, I guess I'll also shout out Hugh Freeze and Auburn I thought Auburn had a very good day yesterday uh, making some noise bringing in some players and once again kind of what I said about Dan Lanning from a national perspective if you're a Josh Heupel, if you're a Shane Beamer, if you're a, a Billy Napier, Hugh Freeze is a factor in your life right now. He really is. And I know a lot of Auburn fans didn't want him, and maybe a lot of Auburn fans had reason not to want him. You know, he's obviously coming coming with a lot of baggage and more kinds of baggage than just, you know, just a, you know. There's obviously some real baggage here, and you understand kind of where some of that's coming from. But he's also a good coach, and I believe he is a better coach for Auburn than Lane Kiffin would have been. And he's clearly, I think, already a better recruiter of high school talent than Lane Kiffin has proven to be there at Ole Miss. Kiffin's leveraged the transfer portal just fine, but he has failed with a lot of recruits. Well, Hugh Freeze yesterday, I think, showed you that he's going to have the ability to to kind of put together a recruiting class, especially now that some of the things he was doing at Ole Miss are probably a little bit more uh, legal than they used to be. So I'm paying attention to what Hugh Freeze is doing there at Auburn. I think a pretty successful day for him for the most part yesterday. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And I'm also going to have a shout out here as well to our friends at the Durham Law Group. You know, they bring the injury report to you at Dog Nation uh, each and every week. And by the way, next week, we'll be get back to a regular game week, which means pregame coverage, our Croker kickoff and everything else. That means the Durham Law Group will be a part of that, covering the injury situation for George. And obviously, that'll be a big one when you're curious about the status of Lyon McConkey and Warren McClendon and, and uh, Warren uh, 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 all kinds of guys for Georgia. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. that you're sort of paying attention to right now. Well, the Durham Law Group helps us keep up to date on that. But sometimes it's not a Georgia football injury you're concerned about. It's your own injury. Maybe you've been hurt at work. Maybe you've been injured in an automobile accident. In other words, maybe someone's done something to you that you need to be made right about, made whole about. Well, that's where our friends at the Durham Law Group can step in because they don't just practice personal injury law. They define it. What that means is no fees, no expenses for you unless you win. In other words, Durham Law Group doesn't want to benefit from your situation unless you benefit from your situation. So give them a call, 844-4-G-A-HERT. That's 844-4-G-A-HERT. Or visit them online at georgiahurt.com. That's the word Georgia all spelled out, georgiahurt.com. You can uh, check that out today. All right, so for a golden shoe today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually kind of uh, bring the uh, music down because I want to make sure you're able to hear this. So our buddy Bass and Dog shared this, and I think a lot of you have seen this by now, and kind of a Christmas-themed one of these. Uh, I, I Listen, I love Christmas light displays. The bigger, the better. The louder, the gaudier. The, I mean, I just want the craziest Griswold-style Christmas lights displays I can find. I'll, I'll drive an hour to go see them. I mean, I just love all of that. I'm kind of a Griswold myself in some respects. And if you can give me a little bit of a Georgia-themed version of this, then you had me at hello. And our buddy Bass and Dog, who's always really good at Twitter and stuff like that, uh, so he found one of these and put it up there online. 
I'm going to let you hear a little bit of this because it's terrific. So for those of you radio podcasts, what you're about to see is so you get the lights going and it's kind of timed with some of the Georgia music, but you've also got this big video screen that's kind of playing the conclusion of the national championship game from last year. This is, and I don't say this lightly, a work of art. So a little bit of this for our golden shoe today from our buddy Bass and Dog and the folks who put this out there. Take a look at this and take a listen to this as well. So Basson says this is a holiday display in Brazelton via Tina Jones on Facebook. Now, I'm not trying to dox Tina here, but I'm guessing if they're doing this, they don't mind the attention. I mean, this is amazing. So when obviously the play ends, the video screen changes. I'm, I'm describing this for our podcast, folks. Changes from like the, the Ringo play that says Go Dogs, national champions. And then it kind of changes to 2022 SEC champions. Now you've got the Power Gs just kind of rolling across the screen. I'm sure the big tech overlords and their bots will be furious that we played the Chris Fowler uh, highlight here on the show. But nonetheless, it's all for a good cause. It's all for Christmas. This is a beautiful display. The lights are amazing. Um, the timing with the music is fantastic. Ba- Bass and Dog shares this. And listen, if that doesn't get you in the Christmas spirit, I literally don't know what to do for you. So a uh, golden shoe there to a Bass and Dog, golden shoe to a Tina Jones who shared this via Facebook. I don't know if this is her house or not. I said before. <laughs> I'm not trying to dox her. Y'all don't go driving to her doorstep. She may not want everybody coming to her house. But uh, either way, it's uh, it's pretty phenomenal, uh, pretty phenomenal stuff there. So uh, Merry Christmas and golden shoes all around on that. Let me tell you who does not have any kind of holiday light display such as that because they're all Grinches. And that's those lousy, stinking gators from Florida. And guess what? 310 days from right now, George is going to put the college football version of coal in their stocking by giving them a beat down to remember. 310 days from right now. That is our Gatorator countdown. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. We are live here tomorrow. Regular show like normal. I took some time off of the cruise, so we're not doing that for the day before Christmas. So we'll do that tomorrow here for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to seeing you then. And of the podcast, it's time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown, where we always appreciate your comments here at Dog Nation Daily uh, on Twitter or in the comment section when we post the show at dognation.com. And today, I want to do something a little bit different with the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. I've been kind of thinking about this a little bit lately, which is that one of the things that I've kind of wanted to do and just for the most part, I've been sort of unsuccessful in it. And this is not going to really change what we do on the show, because most of you have made it very clear that you want this show to be essentially 100 percent about football, which is obviously what we live to do. We live to serve the audience. That's what the audience wants. But it's just kind of a personal preference here. I've been trying to get more back into Georgia basketball a little bit. And as I said before, my responsibility to all of you is to talk football here on this show and to deliver the show the way that you're used to. But for those of you who are Georgia fans who'd also follow the basketball team, are you noticing that? I got to say, I think the Mike White era is off to a pretty good start. They won yesterday against Chattanooga, and, you know, that's whatever. But the win the other day was Saturday when they easily beat Notre Dame. I think they were point spread underdog. The game was played in Atlanta. Notre Dame is the kind of team that, you know, certainly has more basketball tradition than Georgia does. And Georgia won that game convincingly. 
I think the Mike White era is off to a pretty good start here. And I think there's a lot of uncertainty about what George was getting when it hired Mike White because the fact is a lot of Florida fans have kind of soured on him. And who's to say you know who was right and who was wrong when it comes to that situation? But George is the kind of program that almost any success in basketball would be better than what this program has had. And I say that knowing full well. A couple of years ago, Ant-Man was here, Anthony Edwards, who's gone on to be a great player in the NBA, but it just didn't add up to much while he was at Georgia. That I really feel like, even in light of Ant-Man, I'm probably more optimistic about the Mike White situation right now than I probably was at any point in time in the Tom Crean era. And I liked Tom Crean. I thought Tom Crean was fine as a coach. Uh, but it just wasn't really working on the field, necess- or should I say the court, necessarily too well. Um, so I don't really know what I expect you to do with this, but I guess I'm just curious if some of you feel the same way that I do. And if you do, you can hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section here at DogNation.com and tell me about it. Are you noticing more of what Mike White's doing right now? And are you optimistic here? Now, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Final Four anytime soon or even do anything of note anytime soon. But any signs of life are sort of better than nothing. And you know, you want to go back 20 years ago. I loved college basketball, loved the sport, followed it very, very closely. And Georgia basketball is actually really fun back then, too. So I would love nothing more than to have college basketball back in my life. And I'm also busy. I got kids, things like that. So, you know, having one more thing to follow is a little bit tricky sometimes. But I got to tell you, I think this Georgia basketball team might be proved might prove to be worthy of our attention here as you head towards SEC play after the new year. So I just want to mention that. I don't know where you fall on that, but I think it could be worth watching. And so we'll make that our podcast cool down for today. And you can find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They will show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can find them today. They're on that. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then.